a podcast to honor the gods. This better come with a sacrifice. Dave X Media. Rotten cabbages? What kind of slum do you think this is? Hey, babe, it's, it's time to record an episode. Great. I normally, have, I normally have a bit here, but we don't have time for a bit. We gotta, we gotta go. We gotta start this episode. Let's, Let's jump right into it. So, uh, I, I'm Zach. I'm Alex. And this is my cabbages, an Avatar podcast. Always, we are joined today by two really wonderful people that I am so excited to join um, for us today. So, Andre and Kayla, welcome to the podcast. Hi, guys. Thank Hi. you for having us. Yes, thank you. Great. Uh, behind the curtain, this is take two because I was <laughs> late to this meeting, like perpetually, like the rabbit in uh, Alice in Wonderland. Uh, so, <laughs> this is my first time hearing this, but thank uh, Kayla and Andre, your second time saying it. So, can you please uh, introduce yourselves, uh, your pronouns, and uh, where you're from and how you, you came to be on an Avatar podcast? <laughs> Yeah, so my name's Andre. I am one half of the Avatar Hour podcast, and my pronouns are he, him. I'm Kayla. I'm the other half of the Avatar Hour podcast, and my pronouns are she and her. Um, thank you for asking, by the way. Love yeah, that. Yeah, of course. Um, I always yeah, mean so... to, and she's the one that always remembers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the the, uh, the Avatar Hour podcast, we've been um, going since uh, July of 2020, so we started um a couple of months after the pandemic started um we were really both of us needing something to do and the timing just seemed right because avatar was kind of going through this new renaissance on tiktok and the show and uh both shows were getting put on netflix and there was like a renewed buzz around it um like more info about the live action series was coming out um and me and kayla had both done podcasts in the past um so we kind of came together and we were like oh my god let's let's do this this could be really fun so we've been going since then um and i mean essentially uh, what i can surmise or like summarize for you guys what our podcast is is we wanted it to be like a full like sort of like companion podcast for anyone either who has been a fan of avatar or wanting to get into avatar wherever they are at in their avatar journey exactly Mm -hmm. exactly Mm -hmm. yeah and um we're striving to cover any and all avatar media so at this point we've covered um the full uh run of atla we've covered um first couple of comic books that came after like the chronology we we've done the kiyoshi books we just wrapped the dawn of yang chen um, we did the first season of Korra, and we're about to start our second season. We're currently on a hiatus right now, but that's on the horizon. But yeah, that's essentially who we are. Kayla, did I leave? Did I leave anything out? Yeah, another thing that we added recently to our introduction. Well, I'm not sure how recently at this point. Time is a weird soup, anyway. <laughs> that's um, true. But we also did recently add to our introduction. We said, you know, we said we say that we're the ultimate companion podcast of the world and fandom of Avatar. So we also, in addition to talking about and like recapping and discussing the content from the Avatar universe, we also talk a little bit about like fan creation, yeah. fan events. Yeah. And, well, you know, if you ever want to just pull the bus over today and stop to talk about some fan thing, I'm all I'm all about it 
<laughs> oh yeah, oh. we we got to talk to uh the team at Legend of Genji. We talked to oh J and J Films, who just put out their live Last action the Avatar Airbenders. film, Last of the Airbenders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was on um, YouTube. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Very we also cool. talked to Team Avatar Films. We also talked to an uh, Avatar TikToker, um, little prima donna. Shout out to Monica. Uh, you know, we definitely want to def- like add some more creators in the fandom uh, and just. You know, basically just fanboy, girl, non-binary, whatever. Yes. Uh, over. Yeah. You know, because like it is the it is people that create things like the fan art, the fan fictions, the memes, the head canons, the theories that help keep you know help make these renaissance. It mm. it just you know, makes my happen. heart so full because that's what yeah. happened with us. Like we started a few months before y'all and and. April of 2020 and then uh the renaissance just like blew up after covid and yeah we we were like just before it and then it started during covid and we were like well this is great <laughs> we originally <laughs> we were tossing around ideas we wanted to do a podcast we didn't know what we wanted to do a podcast on originally it was going to be Alex takes me through Sailor Moon uh, one of her most beloved shows kind of begrudgingly like as a joke you know like i'm just like i don't get it like why why do they need to put on costumes to fight crime anyway like <laughs> Uh, then I was like, well, maybe we should just do a, a show we both like love, like unapologetically, like Avatar. And I was just like, let's just do Avatar. Okay, that's great. <laughs> and, let's do Avatar. And here we are. <laughs> here we and, are. Yeah, we love that you all also. Uh, you go. You put it, this on speed run. We have been doing this a few months before y- y'all, but we're still on book three because we're yep. dragging this out as long as possible and the there content is. clip is coming. Yep, it's there. Yeah. <laughs> staring, we're looking down it. But we also read this year uh, the Kiyoshi, the, um, Kiyoshi, the first novel, yeah. and I was blown away by FC. I'm like, there's no way this is this first book. There's just no way. And yeah. It was really good. It was awesome. So Not um, only did I think yeah. it captured the world of Avatar, but I I think it really captured the tone of Avatar as well. Like I felt like yeah. I was watching a show. Yeah, there's yeah. something about FCE and the way he writes it. I feel like he's he's tuned into like that same frequency that the original creators were. Like yeah. he just like understands the world like really well. We were blown away by the Kyoshi book. Yeah, absolutely. The attention to detail because I feel like they're approachable enough for people who haven't really engaged or watched a ton of the show. Like, and they're just picking yeah. up the book out of curiosity. But also all those Easter eggs for like the fans mm-hmm. um, and uh, like the the poetry and like I also like getting to see things we didn't get to see in the show like alcohol mm-hmm. and like yeah like extreme violence <laughs> extreme <laughs> violence they can say the word kill <laughs> uh, it's so hard to make uh, yeah. pieces like this because you need to toe that line between like giving the fans what they want and frankly deserve <laughs> and and uh giving uh, a newcomers enough context to be able to to chew on it I remember I mm-hmm. listened to I just listened to your Southern Raiders episode at the end. Uh, Kayla, you mentioned um, um, Arcane, which is mm-hmm. fantastic. Anybody who hasn't seen Arcane yet, I've seen I've been seeing its praises Fix. for many episodes. But Fix it. Go see it. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, legendary animation studio in France. Um, they had this task where they needed to like if you've never played a single minute of league in your entire fucking life, Oh yeah. I'm, you need I'm to one of those people. be able to watch this and enjoy it. And that's just, they, they did it. They, they did. They, they did it for it. sure. I don't know Jack about league and I fucking love arcane. Yeah. So like, 
They yeah. s- right. I knew I wanted to mention Arcane on this podcast at some point, so <laughs> on the checklist. That's <laughs> good because our, we have a we have a segment at the end of our episodes where we uh, recommend things to our listeners plugs, that aren't plugs. always. Yeah, plugs. Um, yeah, we do something. And, well, we, other podcasts on our network do something very similar. Yeah. Yeah, and I believe Kayla recommended Arcane like three or four different times. Yes. So or yeah. mentioned it at the very least. I <laughs> yeah. try to keep my recommendations to be standard, you know, like I try to make sure I don't repeat things too much. Mm. Um unless it's harassing Andre about watching Rocky Horror, then that's a recurring theme. But now he's which seen I have. Rocky Horror. Which I and have now now. He's, then I harassed him about seeing a shadow cast, which, which now I'm he's going, going to. See. Yes. <laughs> But then yeah. once he gets that done, I'm like, okay, shock treatment. Go watch shock treatment. <laughs> our, I think our equivalent love, because I we love Rocky Horror. Um, what ours is My Repo, right back the genetic opera. Um, oh, you guys are getting on Kayla's good side. So <laughs> our is my like favorite guilty pleasure of all time. We one hundred percent like so our first date. Uh, like we had gone on several before, but our first official date, like with friends where they knew that we were officially dating was to go see uh, repo uh, at a local theater in Pittsburgh. Um, shout out to row house cinema, support your local theaters. people. Whoa, 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 hold on. That's my cast. Really? What? Yes. <laughs> what? Shut up! No way! Small world. Small world. Yep. Yep. Oh my god! It was meant to be. Pittsburgh was (laughs) like our old um, crew, and yeah, like the repo shadow cast. We didn't see the shadow cast, unfortunately, but we did see the screening they did of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, that's our next level. Our we've done. We've both done Rocky Horror. We've done the Rocky Horror shadow cast. We did repo the movie. Now we have to do like the repo shadow cast. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Well, I played Pavi in our most recent production, by the way. Awesome. Um, That's hilarious and great. Also, on top of that, real quick before we get on to Southern Raiders and all that stuff. We do have a we do have a double feature show happening uh, the last Saturday of the month. We have Shock Treatment, which is the follow up to Rocky Horror, and we have a Rocky show right after that. Oh so hell yeah! Are you? <laughs> hold on a second. You're about to blow my fucking brains against the wall here. Did they make a sequel to Rocky? It's not they, they they marketed not the sequel, not the prequel, but the equal. But yes, you do get to see <laughs> Brad and Janet after wow. uh, Rocky, wow. and yeah, it's basically like reality TV before MTV. That's it's a good branding. Movie. Not the sequel, a, not the prequel, but the equal. That's really yeah. good branding. Yeah. As long as it <laughs> lives up to it. <laughs> oh, it's a, I mean it's a terrible movie, but it's so fun to shadow cast. Yeah. <laughs> and the music slaps. Well, for <laughs> our our Patreon, we do. Uh, there is no pod in Boston say, which is we take <laughs> p- cover show. pieces of media that for whatever reason should not uh, exist. And we, so, that we wish didn't exist that we uh, wish we could scrub out of our brain. with like, oh my God. Maybe like shock treatment is like the little <laughs> unknown thing that we have to do for January. So thank Absolutely. you, Kayla, for the recommendation. Yeah. <laughs> see us do it come watch us perform it well we no longer live in pittsburgh unfortunately Ah. but we will 100 plug this uh we will if we don't come see it we will 100 plug it to our friends who live in pittsburgh that will come see it Nice. awesome well it's truly a small world who knew that within the one city that a uh, two wonderful podcasts uh, dedicated to this great fandom would emerge from the cabbage patch which is ever growing so 
Um, we're glad that y'all are here. And yeah, speaking of Avatar, we're here to talk about a show. Oh uh, gosh, we're here to talk about Avatar, guys. We're, we're here to talk about the show called Avatar The Last Airbender. This is like the pop culture hour that we do on our podcast, too. So this is Same. very yeah. similar. So, so Marin, as, as uh, Greatest Gen would call it. Before we talk about this episode, though, uh, we do always like to talk about a little what's happened on in the Avatarverse. You know, any recent news, hot goss, uh, mm-hmm. and... Uh, we have, I have a little bit that I like to do uh, called Real Tea Corner. And oh, it's time for a Real Tea Corner. Folks. It is a Real Tea Corner. Why don't you enjoy a cup of calming jasmine tea? More tea, please. I hope I made it the way you like it. Mm, good. Did you really mean that, Uncle? Of course. So, up for this week, um, and... I'm sure, not sure uh, how many people have heard, but um, there's another movie out by the name of Avatar uh, that is um, not uh, this one. It's uh, the Blue People movie, as we it's like to people, refer. The people, they're blue. They're blue. Mm-hmm. They got blue. They're, they're in blue. And apparently the second sequel, of also The Way of Water, what's up with that? Uh, it has done well yeah, enough right? to yield uh, more sequels. James Cameron has said, great they're profitable yeah, we'll make more we made a billion dollars in 12 days we're making the sequels <laughs> so he's uh, he's been making those sequels oh yeah like the third one was all filmed at the same time so now they just have yeah. to like edit it but um as this was all happening we learned um um giancarly volpe the one of the writers for the show a great one to follow on twitter by the way uh was like hey we actually little known fact uh we had to change the name of our show we had to add the last airbender onto it because mm-hmm. when we went to like file the copyright for just avatar uh james cameron was like no 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 <laughs> Uh, we, I had that copyrighted even before I wrote the Titanic script, so you're gonna have to change the name of your show. Um, so that's- What happened to us? We got James Cameron. We did. (laughs) We got James Cameron. We were originally, uh, called, uh, Yip Yip and Avatar Podcast, and then the, the folks that make, uh, the Avatar Podcast, Yip Yip, emailed us and they were like, hey, you you can't do that. So we were like, all right, my cabbage is it is. Uh, Yeah. But, uh, so it's not only that that happened, but they also recently came out with saying that the third movie is supposedly going to be about, uh, fire, fire and fire. ash Navi tribe. Evil. evil Y'all, fire Navi we tribe. have to riot. <laughs> this yeah, is not like, acceptable. We rioted dawn. <laughs> I'm fully okay with rioting. I, I haven't seen any of the Avatar movies uh, it just was never a thing that I mean, 2009. I was like 13. I just it was just not a thing that was like in my orbit. But then as I said, like grow, I I grew up and I was like thinking about watching it. It just every time I like wanted to think about going to see Avatar, there was just some new thing about James Cameron that he said or did that just makes me think he is just such an unlikable oh, yeah, and pretentious person. He and stapled people's phones to the wall if they went off while they were filming. I'm like, he just kind of like represents like the says white man director that everyone wants to avoid. Yeah. And, mm. and 
I, I even entertained going to see this new one because everyone was going to go see it. But it, it just uh, every interview he did, he was just up his own ass the whole time. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. I don't want to I don't want to go see. No. This. And all of the um, indigenous communities, I'm sure our friends over at a tribe called Geek have some opinions about this new film and like the yep. whole cultural appropriation um, happening here. And it's just like, yeah, I'm with you there, Andre. We um, And it kind of bums me out that my my favorite director Guillermo del Toro is like really good buddies with James Cameron. I'm like, come on, Guillermo, you can do better than that. <laughs> so I'll give like, okay, listen, there are a lot of things that someone can do that will get me to stop engaging with their, uh, their media, right? Come on Twitter and uh, blast trans people for no reason. Yeah, I'm not going to want to watch or do your thing anymore. But being a pretentious jerk, I can still like your thing if it's good. Like, I'm okay. I'll, I, can oh, totally. get, I can get over you being a pretentious jerk as long as the thing you make is something I enjoy. And I do like Avatar, the blue people one. I haven't seen the sequel yet, but I do enjoy it mostly because I'm a big like slut for vfx and uh, space stuff so i'm like on board he you have he has your demographic pegged but yes. at any rate <laughs> we are we will always stand the original uh, avatar the last airbender the superior of the word avatar which whenever i think of avatar i just think of like those little like online like character chibi characters you can make of yourself like when you're going into right, a forum yeah. that have now I guess like is what the metaverse is all about I don't know that's another rabbit hole we don't have time to go down so that was my uh hot tea or real tea corner for this week thanks y'all for putting up with my rant and with that <laughs> I think we can go ahead and jump into the episode uh we have book three Chapter 16, The Southern Raiders. Ooh. So when we invited y'all to be on for this episode, I always for I'm always forget how wonderful each episode is. And so now I'm like so psyched and I'm like, man, this is like the episode. Every time we yeah. walk in, we're like, I don't think much happens this episode. And then we walk out going like, whoa, what an episode that was. Yep. Yeah, yes. That was that was a very similar experience we had because we we had watched Avatar just like as fans, but when we were rewatching it, knowing that we were going to have to like talk about it and like analyze it to a certain point, you start noticing a lot of things. And this was this is like my second favorite episode of season three. My first one is Avatar and the Fire Lord. I think that is just the the most perfect episode of literally anything. But this was my this was my number two, and I love it so mm-hmm. much. Uh Great. Well, I was going to ask what your thoughts are. So, Andre, you gave it to us. Kayla, how about you? I remember watching, I think it's one of the episodes I, not like I'm thinking on it. Um, it was one of the episodes that I remember watching. Um, and I also remember watching this, like, I was, when I was first watching the show again after seeing it a little bit as a kid, like, I watched, like, like a glimmer of the season two finale of like, you know, in the catacombs, like the, the Zuko, you know, turn, you know, cha- you know, going to making his decision, all that stuff. And then I ended up, uh, you know, going back in high school and watching it under my covers on my phone at night when it was on Amazon Prime. Uh, <laughs> so I remember being under the covers and like, I mean, maybe you should save this thought for when we talk about the end of the episode, but I distinctly remember like, 
My re- yeah, my reaction to like you know Katara like talking about her decision at the end of the episode. I distinctly remember like kind of being blown away by it, and then just you know is even more impactful today, like with the world view that I have now and the experience I have gained as a you know very worldly twenty three, almost twenty four year old. <laughs> <laughs> oh, such sage words. Yes, dripping with sarcasm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it is a very, it is definitely like when I think of like the best episodes of Avatar, this is definitely one of them. It's the it's the culmination of Katara's arc, like Katara's whole arc. She starts the show. Everyone else starts the show kind of like not knowing what's going on or what to do or anything like that. Katara starts the show as a very competent caregiver and person who is comfortable with responsibility and all of these things. She's like an essential linchpin to the team. But her hatred is kind of at the crux of where she needs to grow as a person. And she really like confronts it head on this episode. Yeah, so she's not just dealing with that, you know, past trauma of her mother's death, but also dealing with like the um how that traumatic event shaped her worldview and that worldview also being challenged a little bit with Zuko's introduction into the gang yeah, you know yeah, yeah. so why don't we why don't baby you want to read a, a synopsis for us and then maybe we can go beat by beat and talk a little more about the individual scenes yeah absolutely um so let me wow it comes right up on my Google. What is totally not like fan wiki or whatever it is. <gasps> the Avatar, Avatar wiki! Hell you! Our best friend. And, best friend. and the, that and the, the bootleg cartoon watching website that I ripped the episodes from so I can get episode clips. <laughs> uh, so it's like our cliff notes. Over So in this episode, the Avatar and his friends are focused on the run again after Azula finds him at the Western Air Temple. Zuko confronts Katara about her distrustful disposition toward him and thinks of a way to gain her friendship. He decides to help Katara find the Fire Nation soldier responsible for killing her mother. Together, they find the man. However, Katara is unable to exact her revenge on him. After returning, she finally forgives Zuko and accepts him into the group. Aww, like... We have a whole mini arc and a whole episode, and I forgot because yeah. uh, we get through, you know, the entire series, Katara, and this event shaping her. It's referenced in so many episodes mm. and instances, but we finally in this episode get to see um, the, moment. the moment, and I love how they present it here, one through uh, Sokka's perspective and then the other through Mm -hmm. Katara's Um, and so it was just really well done but um, it just you think you're ready for it this whole time and then it hits you and I'm like I'm not I'm not crying nope not me Uh, um, but I think the biggest surprise for me that I learned today is that Gray Delisle the same person that did the voice for Azula also is the voice for Kaya so Oh really? I didn't know that. Well, I'm not surprised at this point. I'm definitely I not so surprised. Blown away by <laughs> Gray Delisle's incredible voice acting chops, but you know, oh, such a dynamic and uh, you know, well done Gray like character. Uh, yeah. Speaking yeah. of uh, Azula, she kind of brings us into the episode with a bang, where everybody's literally everybody's <laughs> sleeping, 
And I'm like, oh, is this the scene where like Zuko's gonna wander into the tent and like we're gonna have that little sexy little like no, there's explosions <laughs> and, and death happening. Lots of it. Yeah. Um the the like airships show up, which I don't know what they're Alex brought this up. What are they what do they got in there? I hope it's not helium. Because <laughs> yeah, you'd think Fire Nation, they wouldn't use hot like air balloons that have like explosive gas in them. But I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Have you ever seen one blow up? Or do they just kind of like smoke and like fall beneath the frame? I mean, the mechanist, he's done. Uh, he was the one that came up with this technology. And um, Sokka, I think, helped him perfect it. Like the, the whole war balloon idea. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm just hearing others thoughts. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if the the season or the series finale is like a a scientific reflection of what could happen but yeah i think it just just nose dives down yeah i don't know i i remember uh us talking about this at our episode and if you kind of view this from the lens of this is like kind of like the beginning of zula's like losing her mind arc because this is just fresh off of losing her inner circle of friends i.e the only people who she could even deign to call friends and now she's kind of lost that because at a certain point in the season she does say like let them come to us but after what happens at the boiling rock i think she's just kind of like Mm -hmm. throwing everything out the window is just going straight for them Um, yeah because she's oh sorry i interrupted you no no no, go ahead go ahead i was saying now she thought she had control over the people around her right and she thought that she was in control of every situation that she is in so now yeah. she's like fuck i don't i don't like having that kind of power yanked from underneath me i'm just gonna go in guns blazing yeah. um, the audacity also- of these poor abused girls for standing up to me <laughs> their abuser how dare they yeah <laughs> literally and and then Go ahead, Kayla. She's so unhinged. She's so unhinged in this part. Yeah. Like, she's usually, I mean, like, not that, like, you know, she's she has some pretty metal lines in this in the series, as we've all, you know, we've quoted and, you know, went, oh, on every single one of those lines. Uh-huh. But this is probably one of her most unhinged ones. She also it does look a little bit more unhinged as well. Yeah. Uh, this definitely kind of signifies at least pretty subtly the start of her descent that we see at the end of the book. Yeah. It's a very, like, evil madness. What are you doing here? You mean it's not obvious yet? I am about to celebrate becoming an only child! And yeah. one, I think a reflect, good reflection of it is her hair, because when we first see Azula so perfectly, is she, like, making sure, like, every piece of, like, her hair and her look are in place. Look three hair. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so... When as her she slowly you know starts to become more isolated, she doesn't have the people around her. Even if they were mostly yes people or yes men, like uh, they, they some of them would still sometimes like be a balance to her uh, crazy and unhinged ideas. Um, but here right. there is like nothing literally stopping her anymore and like her hair just slowly starts to become like her looks becomes less unpolished and i imagine like she her self-care is just not there (laughs) she slowly starts to become george lucas from when he made the prequels he's just like becomes more unhinged and no one can say no to him yeah no i need 40 minutes of galactic senate hearings (laughs) oh But at any rate, like, I think her, Azula's 
strategy was on point. She went to the first place. Honestly, and we said this at the end of the Boiling Rock, or even like before then, um, after they fled from the Day of the Black Sun, when that was didn't go as according to plan, uh, they immediately fled to uh, the Western Air Temple. And it's like, wait, you don't, that's the first place Zuko went to look for the Avatar uh, when um, yeah. he was banished and <clears throat> was go- with his uncle. Like I, and so obviously Azula had the same thought process. Uh, Zuko's I've, with them. <laughs> like I've said this before. It just feels like, and I feel like this happens a lot in like fantasy world building is you have to establish, you can't obviously can't establish every single location in your world. So you have to establish like, you know, anywhere from five to ten places. And so it, it always just feels like when the when the characters are, like, running away to somewhere familiar to hide, it's like, there's only a couple places to, to check for them. Like, the if you're yeah. if you're an airbender and you're the Avatar, like, why do you think the Fire Nation wouldn't check the closest air temple first? <laughs> well... Anyway, like, like Kayla said, um, Azula says that big line here, um... I'm about to celebrate becoming an only child, which is like Oof. dark. And, and uh, once again, I've said this many times uh, over the course of this podcast, but we, we find that Avatar can't say the word death or kill. Unlike in the Kyoshi novels. They won't do <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. In the Kyoshi novels, they just straight up, they're just straight up out with it. But in, in Avatar, like we never hear the words kill or murder or genocide or anything like that. It's always like, I'll end you or I'll have, I'll have them taken care of, or uh, I'll I'll put a stop to your. What, what does Katara say originally to Zuko? I'll put a stop to your destiny or whatever right here, yeah. right now. I, I, I think in the I think it's at least metal. in this, yeah think, yeah yeah I do think in like the series finale they let Aang say kill like when they keep talking about like whether or not he's gonna kill the Fire Lord. Oh, but yeah, they do. A, they do. Right. It's a central crux of that arc. Yeah, but you're right. They do they do have a roundabout way to go about it. But honestly, I think they do it better than than other shows. I mean, this is just a, a completely unhinged line, and it like kind of it's like kind of like a nervous laughter that you get. You're like, yeah, she's she's it crazy. Works. She's losing it. it <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, it really works. Mind, that reminded me with like kids shows and stuff having to dance around the word kill. It reminded me and like have you seen Gravity Falls? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Bill Cipher says, I have some children I need to make into corpses. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably the most direct way I've ever heard it said, though. Yeah. That's, like, that's, that's, Alex so Hirsch, that's Alex Hirsch being like, the network won't On let me say death, nerve. but let me make it even more gruesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, I still contend that if Katara had instead just turned to Zuko and said, hey, if you, uh, if you screw up or go back to your old ways or I sense that you're not being honest with me, I'll kill you. I think that would have been a better line. Nah, I think it's more metal that way, which is like, you know what? You're so worried about your fucking destiny. I'll throw the word back in your fucking face. Yeah. 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 I'll change your fate. Damn. <laughs> ah! that's, the that, uh, that's the way that Merida would say it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. So, but ending our arc and our conversation, like on Azula before her, she has her descent into madness. Uh, what? What are y'all's conclusions about her character? Like, do you empathize with Azula for at the end for like how 
she's betrayed. <laughs> I'm like, or is it just, is there zero empathy to be had? We have, sorry. I'm, Andre is cracking his knuckles. And <laughs> I'm all out of, I checked and I'm all out of fucks to give Azula. Sorry. <laughs> Azula stand Twitter doesn't scare me. Literally, <laughs> me no, and Kayla one. have extensively talked about this. Go off, um, queen. I, I, I'm gonna let Kayla let y'all how she feel. Let y'all know how she feels about it. I always kind of with Azula. I end on like I empathize with her a little bit. I understand how she became the person what that she, she became. Um, but I'm also in the camp of like. Interesting villains don't always need a redemption arc. Agreed. Yes. Um, Agreed. I just, I sometimes I just want them to be a villain and have them because honestly, most of the times redemption arcs aren't done well. Like to mm-hmm. put it bluntly, <laughs> and there would like there would be yeah. there would have to be a lot. I think even more than what Zuko went through in his redemption arc for me to even feel it as an authentic way to continue Azula's arc. There is, as you get into the comics, this isn't a spoiler, this is kind of known, but as you get into the comics, there is more gray in the character of Azula. We've only read, I think, like the promise and the search. So there's probably mm-hmm. even more development sure. there. Um, but I still think they, we don't land on a, oh, she's good now. And I don't think we, ever will land there or i don't think we ever should land there because i think i mean ultimately there is just a tragicness about the character about how this is just someone who was vying for the attention and love of her mother and there's also a debate of like is it you know how much of this can we put on ursa how much of this can we put on ozai um but yeah i'm in the camp of i like her as a villain i don't think she needs a redemption arc but you know that's that's my thoughts. I just, well yeah, said. I'm with you there. I definitely think that there are some villains. There's two ways about villains, right? You can either take them, you can either make them human by making their goal something that you can at some point empathize with, even though they're going about it the wrong way. The ends justify or, the means. Yeah, but there's there's also something to be said for that villain that's just a unstoppable fucking freight train of despair and disaster, and like someone needs to stop them. Right, right. And I think Azula is the perfect blend of she is a tragic, her backstory is a little tragic, but also there is agency there. She chose to become the person who she is. She is to a certain extent. She did decide to become the person that she is. And I think that is a more realistic take on just how a person is, because just because you have like trauma in your life or a tragic backstory, it doesn't always mean you're going to turn out a certain way. I think it's up to the person with how they do with it. And I think Azula for most of her life has also kind of been in like, survival mode and the way that she's coped and survived is to act the way that she does you know well, she's been second fiddle to Zuko her whole life and both of them have been subjected to like imperialist ideologies that have yeah. been glorified to both of them like incessantly by authority mm-hmm. figures that they have no choice but to look up to down to the schooling where uh yep. yeah. yeah but Kayla yeah you've been I think waiting to yeah, go off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I, a lot of good things have been said, and I agree with everything that's been said here. I was going to make a joke about how I'm more afraid of the Zutara stands on Twitter than I the Zula stands. Well, we did, uh, we had a wonderful guest on uh, for um, uh, the few episodes ago, D- Delia from 
black nerds create who is very much a Zutara stand, but would not in any way scary. <laughs> but I can definitely see like, yeah, they're uh they're yeah. out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um as for like Azula, um I also am in the gray area here. Like, yeah, you know, there's some things that uh, you know, you don't have to have a redemption arc for every person, and most of the time redemption arcs end in the person dying, and it's not really much of a redemption, is it? Right. <laughs> Darth Vader. It's um, like, but- <laughs> it's like I'm sorry, I was wrong, I promised to be good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, like, well, I think Azula doesn't need to have a redemption arc because she serves her purpose in Zuko's redemption arc. Because, you know, part of what makes his arc work so well is that he's shown to not be the worst person that the gang has to face off against you know there's people that are much much worse than him and you know uh allowing for people to kind of have that little bit of like okay he's not as cruel he does have some sense of dare i say honor um (laughs) honor but you know (laughs) plus like on a very real level i feel like you can't fix like that apd which is what i think pretty like clear-cut what Azula... Like, Azula does not experience emotions in the way normal people do. And she just, like, to have her be like, oh, I've realized the error of my ways just would not fit. It wouldn't make sense. It wouldn't feel earned. Yeah. So, I mean... Anyway, the rest of this episode, the the other... Yeah, she's 14. She's gonna say she's 14 years old and all that stuff, and that does allow a little bit more sympathy, but again, there's only so much that one can do. Anywho, children's soldiers, great. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Do you think, you know how we we all like go off on like social media as kids and then we look back on it later, we're like, oh, cringe. Do you think Azula would look like look back later as an adult and be like, oh man, I used to like throw people in fire pits? Oh, so cringe. I don't know. I should. Uh, it's it's hard to say. I, I think she would just kind of. Yeah. I think I think if left unfettered by the gang, I think she would just turn into another Ozai. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't. I don't see Azula I, ever coming to terms with um, her relationship with her mother. I don't think she ever will come to terms with um, the actual damage that Ozai has done to her, where she sees it as a strength. You know, it's a good thing about the way Ozai raised her. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Mm. Anyway, we've talked about Az- uh, Azula for <laughs> she's like in I know. a minute of this episode. Yeah, but anyway. it's really important to set the context for, I think, because redemption is a huge theme um, and revenge are both, you know, the bookends in this episode when we see Katara finally trying to avenge her mother's death. And so, um, you know, before we get into the huge things, I, you know, we've, we've talked about Zutara. Well, on this podcast, uh, we stand Zuka, or at least I do. That was, that that was my favorite part of the Avatar Renaissance is all of the Zuka fan art and community that came around that. And so, uh, we, we had just finished the Boiling Rock, and we get the li- nice little, like, epilogue, like, the after credits roll, and we get this scene where um, Suki is just kind of chilling outside the tent, and Sokka uh, presumably is inside, and Zuko just strolls up being like, I need to talk, like, I don't know why, like, Katara is the only person well, he, here. He walks up, and he's like, oh, were you looking to speak to, to Sokka, too? And <laughs> Suki's like, oh, no, like, I don't know what you're talking about. 
<laughs> it's fine. Don't even. It's like, why is your there fa- is, why is your face so flush? <laughs> oh, and then also like the you know the, the fact that he's wearing a lane is a joke about soccer getting laid. Uh- ah, <laughs> but and I, I have to point out here that so yeah the gang they they have to escape which I think is what why Katara it's like the catalyst for Katara's anger is like she is basically because of the Fire Nation forced to say goodbye to her father again and so mm-hmm. then she like takes it out on Zuko but yeah when Zuko goes to talk to her uh <laughs> like he he walks in or he when he goes to talk to Sokka he walks in Sokka, his his rump is in the air. He's got this salacious look on his face, and he is like he's got a rose in his mouth. And what does Zuko do when he sees this situation? He sits down attentively. <laughs> so like, oh, oh clearly he has the face. He has the face first of the oh yeah. yeah but then he's yeah. just like, eh, I can't. I ain't gonna yuck anyone's yum. And then he sits down, <laughs> literally. Uh, uh, and they, yeah, they have this really like sort of like I'll say it intimate conversation about. Um, Sokka and Katara's past context that he hasn't known the thing about Zuko that I really like is that he really way way back in the first in the I think second one the second season where they're on the run and he encounters that earth uh, nation girl who was badly burned and like finally Mm. gets down to it and she's like yeah the fire nation did this to me like they've hurt all of us and like Zuko is forced to confront those things face on, and this is just another example of like him having to basically like face that like frontal uh, in a way that's really interesting to me. Yeah, yeah. I think what's interesting about it is that even though he sees himself extremely far removed uh, from the Fire Nation and what they're doing, um, the victims of the Fire Nation will still kind of only see him as that and there could be arguments made on on either side of that but what i what i find interesting about zuko's initial approach is everyone trusts me why don't you which i don't think is the way to go about it but it it is very much in line with zuko because of like i think he's like realized you know i've done all this work i proved my worth why don't you still trust me and you're right he is missing like vital information um but i totally think katar is well within her rights to act towards him the way that she does. Yeah. He's he's kind of coming at it from a, like, I've put enough good deed coins into the machine. Why aren't you... Why can't I pull which the lever is, which and make is it all good? An essential, an essential lesson in a redemption arc yeah. is that just because you put in all this work, no one is obligated to forgive you. No, right. no one is obligated to trust you. And I think that's that was him... Even though Katara does, at the end of the day, decide to trust him, I think Zuko does walk away from that being like, I can't atone... F- for every single person and i have to be okay with that sure and every every big like movement or anything that like hurts so many people on such a vast scale need everyone needs a scapegoat everyone needs that and so for katara like you know he's like zuko's right when he says to Sokka, like i think she's taking all of her anger that she and hate that she has towards the fire nation out on me personally and you know i always try whether it's my work or day to day try not to take things personally but here it's obviously uh very hard if not impossible because you see both sides um both zuko and and katara feeling valid here um but what i think for zuko is um and specifically why katara is so distrustful of him is because she gave him the benefit of the doubt 
initially, like when they were in Bossing Say, and um, everyone else was like, yeah, nah, not sure about this. Katara was the one, like, no guy is like, he's yeah. proved himself. And like, they had that moment down in the cave where she opened up that part of herself and she almost used yeah. her. She almost, ended the, she almost ended the show a season early when she almost used that water on Zuko. Yeah. So yeah. T- to the point of vulnerability, Katara had to get to in order to trust Zuko. And like, sh- she did it. She opened herself up to get him to trust her. And then he opened, like so openly betrayed that. So I think Katara out of anyone is justified in like having to take a little bit more time and sure. and coming around. It's, like fool me once, shame on you. Like fool me twice. That that's on me, yo. It's also this one of a, my favorite scenes from this episode from this um season. It might have been last season. I think it was the end of last season. Uh where Iroh and Aang are finally able to like talk to each other for a beat. And mm-hmm. Aang is talking about this thing where he has to let go of all of his emotions and his earthly tethers, the things that are keeping him here and stuff. And and uh, Iroh basically tells him, well, I mean, that's lame. Why would you do that? Like, he's like, <laughs> you know, why would yeah. some, why would you listen to some, like, old, like, wise fuddy-duddy? That told you to just, drink, like, living, like, banana yeah. leaf juice. Yeah, live, instead of, like, living your life the way you want. And this, like, Aang, Aang realizing that he has to come to his own conclusions about how he wants his life to be is enlightenment it is the enlightenment he's searching for yeah the other thing is not and so i yeah. feel like when katara at the end of this episode to skip ahead a little bit when she says like I, I i will never forgive him but i can forgive you i can forgive zuko like that yeah. is her sort of redemption i think ang is wrong and that oh you need to forgive Fuck no, you don't need to forgive. You need to live yep. your life, but you want to know obligation to forgive someone who has put in no work to want to be forgiven. And right. that's and a like, truth. And like, yeah, truth. and like almost everything in the show, it always takes a theme like this a step further. Because I think if this was any other yeah, show, absolutely. the there's always that revenge and that you know, revenge is, is toxic and you need to forgive. You need to forgive. Um, but I'm personally of the opinion that I don't believe that forgiveness is part of the healing process. No, and I don't I, always I think agree. forgiveness is also, I don't necessarily think it's part of, um, any sort of closure. I mean, it, it really depends on the situation, but I really love how this episode ends with, I didn't forgive him, but right. I can, after I've confronted him, I can move on. Yeah. And this is also, I also don't believe that confronting, and in this instance, I'm going to say the abuser. Mm-hmm. I don't always think that's the way, but that is the way that has worked for Katara. I think yeah. putting, uh, taking a childhood memory and putting it to a face and seeing that it this isn't just like a one dimensional person. This is an actual person who's had a life, who has people in his life. I think that's where the empathy come into work because we see such a ferocity and a rage from Katara that yeah. we have not really seen. Rain. Yeah. <laughs> it's like she's Keanu Reeves and the Fire Nation killed her dog. Yeah, yeah. stop. We've the seen rain. glimmers of it, but it's Katara. Katara did. <laughs> yeah, but um, but it was. I always watched this being like a little scared of her, and when she yeah. busts out the blood bending, yep. which she said she would never use ever again. 
you know, I think that was just a brilliant way to show that, um, you know, we we always talk about the stages of grief, but what people don't realize sometimes is that the stages jump around a lot. Yeah. You know, it's not always just denial, anger, bargaining, depression. There's always, Definitely. you know, going, uh, jumping all over the place. It's and not a linear process at all. No, no. Not at all. No, and I, I do agree that I think Aang is, is in his 12 years of life, naive in his idea of forgiveness, because what I always think about in that scene is like, do am I supposed to believe that Aang forgave the Fire Nation, which yeah. I don't think he did. I think he forgave himself, but mm-hmm. I don't believe he like forgave the people who committed genocide to his people. Right. You know, and there's a there's a, a whole layer of that him being the avatar having to represent the Fire Nation and all that. Um, but I think I like that the show ultimately is like there is just a lot more nuance to you have to forgive this person in order to heal, which I don't yeah. think is always the case. And that's exactly what I was thinking, like, when I was referring earlier to, like, what I remembered watching about this episode the first time I ever watched it in its entirety was that particular message of, you know, like, I mean, I've dealt with my own, you know, abusers and things like that in the past. And, like, you know, seeing that, seeing that kind of message, especially in a kid's show, like, that is pretty fucking powerful and actually super duper important and forgiveness honestly is a kind of a sticky weird thing for me and you know um honestly the end of the episode's kind of comforting to me because the show doesn't have a quite a definitive answer on forgiveness either right well my sorry my take on forgiveness has always been that like it i am almost always open to the idea of forgiving someone that has wronged me provided that that person is showing some effort in wanting to be forgiven. If they don't care whether or not I forgive them, why the fuck would I waste my time like going through that emotional labor, you know? And, well, and also it, acknowledging some of the accountability on their part too, I think is really sure. important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What it comes down to is like, you know, there are plenty of ways to move on from something and live a healthy life that don't involve like <clears throat> directly contacting that person and say, hey, by the way, I forgive you. Because like, you know, if that person like, drowned your child or something horrible like that like no i'm like i'm sorry i'm not going to forgive you because like some religious leader in my like church or whatever said that i needed to like that's not how life works yeah right yeah and just in the in the sake of self-healing as if it's the only way Mm -hmm. to move past that point which i don't believe it is Yeah, yeah. yeah and i think that you know forgiveness you know you have to, it ha- it's not only deeply personal but whenever there's like some type of expectation then it immediately comes into question like like the genuineness of that forgiveness and like those motives because you know the coming in with the expectation that oh i i did these changes i put in all this effort etc kind of like zuko here and like expecting katara to forgive him um and you know he he goes out of his way this whole episode to try and give this for her um Mm -hmm. and you know i think a lot and this thinks makes me think like a lot like you know, of victims of SA or survivors of SA and like other things like, oh, like if like someone comes and apologizes, it's like, no, you don't owe them anything. Like, right. and I think that just putting it back on the person that was abused or what have you in the first place to and like and, and in, forcing them to possibly relive trauma that they have yeah, no right. and in fact, desire to do so. Oftentimes when someone contacts someone else to apologize, it's for themselves. It's because they want to yep. f- just feel better. Yeah. It doesn't really even, they don't actually even care about what contacting that person is going to do to them. Yeah. And you can always tell 
too. Absolutely. Like, that's the case. But I think I think what's crucial about where Katara lands in the episode of ultimately trusting Zuko, I don't think she gets to that point because Zuko um accompanies her on this trip. I think it it does have to do with the fact that she did confront the person who took her mom from her and to ultimately she's just such an empathetic person that she ultimately does see that while this person is the source of like the biggest trauma in my life, it is still a person. And is it fair for me to look at Zuko, who is not much older than me, and hold him up to that same standard of hatred that I have for this person. So I don't think, while I think it maybe helps that Zuko took the initiative and gave her all this information to track this man down. I don't think, you know, if the show ended, if the episode ended with her killing that man, I don't think that she would have been any closer to Zuko. I think it's the fact that she does what she does to get her to that point to forgive and trust Zuko. Yeah, definitely. So to hit a few beats along the way, because we have been talking about the end a lot. I was definitely want to hit a few, a few good beats here. Um, we get uh, the. I want to. I want to ask everybody uh, uh, as extensive or short an answer as you would like. Uh, what does Sokka do with his week with Momo? He gets. He borrows Momo for a week. Yeah, because when what does he, what does Katara, he do Katara goes off and uh, borrows Appa now uh, and gives. Sokka's like, I want Momo for a week, and Aang's like, Why? He's like, I don't know. I'm just jealous. <laughs> I'm always thinking he's he's wanting to devise some kind of game and he need, he needs a flying component and yeah, I think yeah, that's yeah. where Momo comes in. That's just a ve- I, that seems a very Sokka thing to me. Yeah. He's had this idea forever about a game where Momo is the ball and he's just got to <laughs> test it. Like, he, I need you to help me beta test this game. Uh he's re- exacting his revenge on Aang for when they played airball like at the very first at time when they visited <laughs> yeah. the uh Southern yeah. Air Temple he's like all right, I can't I'm not a bender. I'm worthless so let's do this momo uh i think it's almost it reminds me of in road to el dorado uh when um uh what are their characters names uh miguel and tulio Tulio mighty and powerful gods when they're playing um the game from of the aztecs and it's all this fun stuff and like the armadillo just like plays the ball and that's how they're able to like get all of these people to think that they're actually gods that's how i it's a haunted ball that's that's great um yeah either that or i think he's training momo to deliver his mail for him because he doesn't have (laughs) he's He's, I think he's practicing air ball so that he doesn't get whooped by Aang again. Yeah. yeah really whooped by Aang in the first season. I, um, All the grudge ever since. I think it has to do with food because that is yeah. the the thing that brought uh, Momo and Sokka together. Um, we're yeah. not going to talk about that. It was because Mo, or, uh, Sokka initially thought Momo as food uh, yeah. or was jealous <laughs> that he was going to steal Sokka's food. But uh, And then there's that horrifying scene where Sokka <laughs> is sleeping and there's a spider making a web across his mouth. And Momo uh, is like, yank. Yeah. Uh, is like, what the fuck, man? Not knowing that uh, Momo just saved him from... Okay, go with me on this. Uh, Sokka and Momo are the Scooby and Shaggy of the group. Yes. I feel like they're... they're 100%. There's un, unshown scenes where they're always, like, going off and finding <laughs> sandwiches and shit. Yeah. yeah. I think they're best buds. They are. Now it's all I can oh think God. about. Um, that's, that, that's a good character arc right there. <laughs> I see some fan so, yeah. art in the future. 
then we they they take off and they finally put on cloaks i've been saying this in season one it seems like ang who is very wanted by the fire nation just has this thing where he loves to walk around in air nation garb which is whatever he yeah. wants and it's just like people are going to notice <laughs> not everybody dresses in bright oranges and yellows my guy um yeah. so like they finally put on these cloaks when they go off and i'm just like what i wanted to take this long <laughs> there those put those on every time you travel <laughs> literally uh oh another shout out we get some great uh appa helmets this episode is a lot of uh is a lot about appa helmets and a headgear we get a cool oh, rock yeah. protective shield when they're escaping the Fire Nation. And then we get a cool... Ow. Bird. Stop. You jerk. Uh, we get this, like, cool, uh, like, air bubble that they encase his head in. When, when he, they're, like, they go scuba diving. Yeah. My, yeah. my question is, and is, you know, Taka spent all this time on this bomb dope-ass armor for... Appa, like, and where did it go? What happened to it? Like, I feel like fleeing the Fire Nation, like, with Azula raining fireballs on you is the perfect situation to, like, wear this this armor. And I guess we, that just didn't make it out of uh, the Day of the Black Sun after the invasion. We literally paused the episode for, like, five, six minutes to have this conversation while we were watching earlier today. And <laughs> what it comes down to, in my opinion, is, like, the... Uh, you either the armor is very heavy. Obviously, you're not going to be able to travel nearly as far with that heavy mm. armor strapped to, to Appa. And if he's not wearing it, then he's carrying it. And either way, it's the same amount of weight. So yeah, you can't take it with you. Unfortunately, I don't. Th- I think they had to abandon it somewhere. Oh, Appa's coming. With I never would have thought. I never would have thought to ask these questions. <laughs> I, I just. I, I would. I wanted to see a little scene in the in, right before the final. The final big raid where like Saki goes. Wait a second! Like takes Appa off and then like gets the armor and puts it back on him. Yeah, we're a huge Dungeons and Dragons nerd, so we always are mm-hmm. looking at this from the. Pers- perspective of like yeah. all right if we were playing avatar as a tabletop where, where role playing a game how yeah. is this possible um yeah I, it would definitely be encumbered let's be honest <laughs> well for me i think the highlight or like the other beat in this episode is when um you know katara and zuko like they have like they just are consistently rolling D20s this whole episode. Like, they have their <laughs> ultimate disguise, and they're able to sneak into the library. Um, and, of I course... I love how you said it right first, snuck. and then said it wrong a second time. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they snuck into the library, much to uh, Sokka's dismay. Because with him, he, we know Sokka loves a good library. Um, I was... I was snacking into the pantry for a snack, but then a snack was coiled up and bit me. Oh no. <laughs> um, I think, uh, they, they, yeah, they get the scroll They're They immediately like are able to figure out where the Southern Raiders um, are, are located. Like there is their logo or their insignia that you would call it uh, of like the, the, the Raven. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's how they're able to find like the one ship out near whale tail Island. They, yep. with no problem. They go, to, like, they go to visit, they go to visit the Island that uh, Appa was supposedly taken to in, uh, in Bossing yeah. say when they investigate where, like where he has gone, the, the false lead they give him is whale tail Island. 
And they they are extremely lucky that the Southern Raiders have not updated their graphic design. <laughs> yeah, right. In the last yeah. like six years or something. Uh, <laughs> it's not like they're even called the Sea Ravens. Like they could have just changed the logo but, if they wanted to. And Literally. like I feel that that is also like a huge gap because when they in the retelling of the story uh, from both. Katara and Sokka's point of view, we see a ton of ships just descend upon. And this was like, you know, in the earlier days, since then, we can only assume the Fire Nation has had more time, more resources to amass an even larger army. So how do we know it's the one Southern Raider ship that they've found that's going to like have ev- like the one guy that they need? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, a I teenager to, logic. It's teenager logic. Teenage logic. <laughs> yeah. Now that we're while we're skipping around, I meant to make this joke earlier, but I didn't. Um, uh, Katara, Zuko's confronting Katara, and Katara says something very, very gripping. She's like, uh, she's like, you can, you can either, you know, win back the, you can either liberate Bossing Se in the name of the king, or you can bring my mother back. So then Zuko sighs and, you know, calls his brother and they make a big transmutation circle and they get all the components together and, well, what results? (laughs) Let let me tell you. It's not great. (laughs) 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 Oh, well, yeah. Um, but they finally confront, um, uh, darn it! I forgot his name. I had it up here. Yon, Yon, Yon Ra, Ra. Thank Yon you. Ra. Which yeah. Yon Ra, which sounds very like you know godly and god esque to me. Very like it regal. Does, yeah. And the, the legend of Yon Ra. So all we are, at least I was very uh, blown away or humbled when I saw this old, feeble man who's retired. Uh, just like every other incel living in his mother's basement. Literally, yep. though. Literally. <laughs> this guy is like Dave Batista from fucking Glass Onion. Yes. <laughs> I still gotta watch that. Oh my god. That's <laughs> uh, so good, Kaylee. You gotta watch it's it. It's a really great uh, movie. I want to. Maybe I'll watch it after this. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. What are what was everyone's thoughts like when we finally were confronted? You know, this huge payoff three seasons we're like all right we're gonna get to see this brute who killed kaya um it's all on edge and then it's just this this old guy like what what did we if we were katara like what would our thoughts have been well i mean i would have expected an old guy at, at, at the time that you know i guess it, it's only been six years so maybe? yeah it's only it's only been six it's kind six of surprising years. that he's so old he looked. Yeah. He, at, least, at least he he was he was old coded in yeah. the flashback. I his, guess yeah. his his mom is like it's like the <laughs> the mom from the SpongeBob episode where they're selling chocolate. Mom, what what what's all that yelling? It's like mom, yeah, literally. Oh, and he's still a terrible person because he's like, you can kill my mom, you yeah. can take her. Yeah, he's a piece I was of like, shit. He sucks so <laughs> bad. Not just. Not like, just for killing, like, you know, a little girl's mother, and probably has probably killed other little girls' mothers and parents, you know, yeah. I don't know, and all that well, stuff. Well, what's wrong but... with her? Well, she nags me a little, yeah, and yeah, I have yeah. to go 
go shopping she makes incredibly reasonable demands like i want something good to eat yeah yeah i do have a question here though because we all know that avatar is really good about all the animals or some you know fusion of two different animals Mm -hmm. it's uh Mm -hmm. you know and fuck logan paul too for stealing this for crypto zoo and just taking all these animals and making them into nfts like you know uh we now are gonna get crypto garden where we have the uh tomato carrot excuse me like she's like we have we have they're not soft enough and it's i'm just picturing like you know how you try to picture like a burger dog and you just picture like a hot dog like like on top of a it just doesn't make any sense like carrot tomato what is that yeah what is that brain does not compute right is it is it a tomato in the shape of a carrot or is it a carrot in the shape of tomato you don't know uh i don't know but it'll cost you uh twenty thousand dollars in the blockchain (laughs) uh this is it's just Uh. like you know we we cook it all over and then like add all our ingredients to our fire we do our little like dance and then it's just dubious food that's all it is. Uh, there, I want to talk very briefly about this part that happens towards the beginning of the episode, though, where like a- like Tar gets really mad and Sokka's trying to tell her to calm down, and she says, uh, "Well, then you just didn't love her like I did," and you're just like, "Whoa!" Like, Katara, what the fuck, Katara? yeah, she is throwing you daggers like, all episode. Like I, w- I had your back, girl, up until that exact moment. Like you did not yeah. say something like that to your brother. Uh, yeah, I just. De- I definitely think it was said in anger. Yeah. I don't think she should have said, but I, again, teenager logic. That's that's just that's just how it works. But yeah, I mean, Alex, to go back to your original question, uh, what I would have done, I, I probably wouldn't even gone. I don't even like leaving my, leaving my apartment. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but no, I don't know. I I all I could think about was like the amount of times like Zuko realized he could have been like absolutely murked. Yes, at, I was going to bring that up with with no with because I don't I know. <laughs> I definitely think he knew. Oh, like, yeah, she's a great waterbender. But when he sees like the blood bending and the yeah. dome, the the show makes like multiple points to show you how amazed slash terrified yeah. Zuko <laughs> is at her waterbending prowess. He's like, yeah. before I was annoyed by your anger, now mm-hmm. I'm terrified of it. Terrified of it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh and then also the, like fa- the the face on Zuko when he sees Katara blonde bed though. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, because he's like, I think does he have like the mask over his face at uh-huh. one point? That's all. That's just his yeah. Eyes. You just see his eyes like widen. Yeah, yeah we, only I mean, for a split Zuko, second. Then he just starts questioning the guy. Zuko really good at emoting through a mask well before any of us knew we would we would need to. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's so hard. I can't breathe in this thing. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, I. I really do think that Katara, yeah, she was throwing daggers, shade, all episode, and then when it comes down to it and she has to face down her enemy, the source of her ire for all of these years, like, she has been honing this hatred like a knife, like, just so sharp, and, like, when it comes down to it, like, she just, she can't do it, and I, I know, I, I don't want to, like, you know, carp on too many specifics here, but, you know, I think that this comes up in, you know, a lot discourse often is like when we look at, you know, like very dangerous, like, you know, dictator regimes or like military regimes and like very, um, 
any type of, you know, government that oppresses its people, whether it's like on the minor side or all the way up to, you know, like where we see acts of genocide, like we do with the Fire Nation, um, like yeah. to what extent are these individual actors who take out orders on behalf of the, you know, larger, like, regime are like are they responsible for their actions like they were just you know at the end of the day they may have not believed like or ascribed to whatever ideologies were being perpetuated but they at the end of the day committed war crimes so like what do you do here and like i don't think that yan Ra did himself any favors like he clearly took pleasure in killing kaya knowing that he was the she was like and it was what like it, the last waterbender, like you what know. What it comes down to woof. for me, <laughs> what it comes down to for me is like this is an interesting like discussion of the Nuremberg defense for sure. But at the end of the day, he enjoyed it. He was like, "Yo, I'm not taking prisoners today because uh, I'm going to kill you," and he was happy about it. So uh, fuck yeah. him. Which uh, is, I, I think, also just all done in the service of yeah. uh, Katara's character to just show yeah. him that there's. There is very little gray in this person, and to still make the decision that she makes, I think, is ultimately in service of her character. But, I mean, you know, contrary to what the internet will make you uh, believe, things are just rarely ever black and white in life, and I think uh, the answer to this is multiple things can be true at the same time. Um, Yes, they were following orders, but also, yes, they did terrible things, and I sometimes... it's it's hard like pondering like what is the one answer to this i think it it truly depends on the person especially if one person is someone who was a victim of the specific crimes and the other person wasn't even though they can show all the empathy that they can they're still not going to experience what that you know um specific victim went through you know so it's it's very and this is an ongoing thing in the show about is the fire nation all bad and i think the show ultimately is like no but that is actually kind of how like real life is like yeah when not to like throw this way off the deep end but like when the whole conflict with russia and ukraine began Mm -hmm. you know it there was a lot of talk about the people in russia not agreeing with what was happening and not condoning this at all and trying to leave russia not only for their safety but because they were just so against what was happening and i great example and I think that there was plenty of people in the Fire Nation who were aghast at the genocide, but actually they didn't even know what happened because they just, mm-hmm. they were told that the air nomads attacked first or they fought back, you know, right. that it was necessary, mm-hmm. you know, so th- that's right. Exactly. And that's another layer to put into it is just the, the propaganda and like what people think happened and what they're told happened. And like, um, it, it completely distorts how, I think they react to it in just in terms of like, what is justice and what is all of that? You know, it's, it's like when, when someone is from like an intensely like homophobic, for example, like country and Mm -hmm. they have those beliefs to some extent. And you have to, at some point be like, this was, this was grinded into this person their entire life. You know, like it's, it's hard. It's complex and and nuanced. It's not like, you can hold right. every single person individually for all of the same beliefs that you have because they all come from different backgrounds. Yeah, and I think again, I, I can also speak for Kayla on this since we are we're both queer. We, I for at least have like have known people like that. And while 
I am sad that that's how they were brought up, and I wish that they weren't brought up that way. I am also allowed to feel some type of way about you it. Absolutely like, just because, absolutely. Just because the circumstances are there and it's it explains their behavior, I also yeah. don't have to be like, oh, well, they were just raised. It's just it's the argument of like, oh, well, they're from another time. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, time well, is happening around them. That's fuck it's them still and their our time. time. <laughs> this yeah, is our literally. time. Right. Um, no, I, what we don't see though is the biting, the biting little bit of revenge where Katara goes and and uh, visits his mom and heals all of her ailments and wishes her a very long and treasured, treasured life. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. No, I was, I was thinking, I was watching this with Alex earlier, and when she like does the thing, she's like holding up the things, and then she lets them splash. Oh, oh, says, the like, water droplets. And- yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, I just, I just can't do it. And then she turns around and Zuko's there. One fucking hundred thousand percent. It would have been so badass if Zuko just turned and went, well, I can. Just fucking torched him right there. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. I was like, that would have been so cool. Yeah. If Avatar was an HBO show. We'll see. Maybe the live action series will go that Maybe. way. Maybe. We'll yeah. That's what I joke. I said, yeah, what if Zuko just like bodies him in that moment in the live action? I would die. Um. Well, and this is one thing that we can end on, but I know, babe, you mentioned earlier that you wanted to talk about with them is like some of the decisions that netflix might make with the live oh, well, action I, I had mentioned that I, I listened to your episode which you cover two which i don't know how you do two per episode that's crazy but um <laughs> well done both of you uh <laughs> you talked about the ember island players and how mm-hmm. um you're pretty sure or you thought like very reasonably i would think that they will cut that episode out of the the live action version and i mm-hmm. think what is more likely is Right before, like, uh, on the two-parter finale or whatever it's going to be, they'll probably open with a, a very brief scene from the Ember Island players, and then they'll probably transition quickly out into the, the final, like, bit. Like, the yeah. before the credits, uh, yeah. like, the before the credits, like, like cold open will be the, the, the stage play, I think. I think I think it'll be like it'll be like this episode, this underrated episode, and it'll end with Sokka being like, "Hey, do y'all want to go see a play?" And then roll <laughs> credits. Because yeah. as much as I love the Ember Island players, I don't know how that'll translate. I don't know if yeah. it will translate I don't think so. to live action. I was, everyone's saying that they need to get the the cast of the movie to be the Ember Island players. Yeah, or just show a clip of it, and then yeah. Sokka being like, "Oh no, we're not doing this." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would love for them to be that self-aware, but it's not like so I'm not expecting much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I think that is a good way to to end. Uh, yeah. You know, the live action. So we are. It's New Year, folks. This is our first episode of 2023, and we have a lot to look forward to this year, as we covered in our last recap episode for 2022. Um, so we'll end by, I think, saying, you know, final thoughts on the episode and, you know, Kayla, Andre, what are some things that you're looking forward to in the new year? Avatar related or not? Oh, gosh. Well, I mean, as far as final thoughts on the episode, um, still remains like probably one of my top, like in my top three episodes of this season i just think it's so well done and i often think the the episodes that are hotly debated are usually the best ones in avatar Mm -hmm. um but i again just love what the show and the episode has to say about the concept of forgiveness and i'm just continually blown away at the 
the depth that uh, the show gets into with these very complex adult topics yeah. in the children's show. I think um, what this show did that not a lot of shows had done really before it is it just made the executive decision that like we are not going to talk down to kids. We're not going to talk down yep. to our audience. And yep. I think that that is what allowed it to sort of maintain the position it's had all these years. Yeah, it was very much, you know, like, let's take these traditionally black and white themes or, or tropes that you would see in other children's tv shows and just dig into the reality of them and i think this is a very realistic and truthful uh way to depict something like this to to show the nuance of forgiveness and trauma and revenge and all of that so i just it's just one of my favorite episodes awesome kayla how about you i mean looking forward to in the new year episode thoughts or some combination of both. do it lay it on us uh I hate to be like the ditto on the, but you know, it just adds, just further adds to the, you know, what makes the show so great. Um, you know, it's, I mean, season three, seasons two and three are Avatar is absolute strongest in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is definitely an example of that with the, you know, like, Again, it just has the best of Avatar. It has, like, the, you know, notes of humor where it's needed, like the whole Momo joke thing in the beginning, but it knows when to be serious and, you know, very clearly, you know, goes through in a way it's not, mellow, like, completely melodramatic. Every moment that happens in this episode has been built upon by, you know, hours of storytelling. And, you know, it's it's a good finale for certain arcs that are happening in the story. And, and it canonizes Zuka fight me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Um, and 2023. I mean, I'm hoping that I actually stick with my new year's resolutions and build some, I think my biggest thing is just to build, I'm looking forward to building some better habits for myself and, you know, a lot I of thought you were going to say change. Lego. I was going to say me too. Hey, that's <laughs> awesome. Do you Lego too? <laughs> Lego is a form of self-care. Fight me. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, yeah. costs oh. per, per hour costs less than therapy. Mm. Thousands in debt, but yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> Kayla, Andre, <laughs> uh, pimp your stuff. Where can people find you? <laughs> Um, they can find us uh, at the Avatar Hour podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Twitter is at Avatar Hour. Um, we are currently on hiatus, but we are going to be back very soon. We're going to be tackling season two of Legend of Korra. We're so tackling exciting. some more comic books. Yes. Um, and yeah, so, and you can find our podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. Awesome. awesome. Thank you again for joining us, both of you. Before, thank you for having yeah, us. Yeah, it's been a blast. Yeah. Before we wrap such, the episode. Um, do you have any plugs that you wanted to share? Your how you you always pimp something at the end of your show that, that's not like whether it's arcane or something else. Like we're gonna end it's this arcane. week's episode. Okay. Uh, okay. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say I recently onion. watched um the menu on HBO Max and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, have I did not think things. I would. Oh, I've heard great things. Anya Taylor Joy yeah. is my bae. Yeah, it's really, really good. I would encourage everyone to go see it. It's a yeah. very easy film to watch. It's great. Okay. Cool. And I'm gonna pimp Infinity Train because I always pimp Infinity Train. I love it so much. Didn't and they delete it off at HBO Max? It did, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can buy the seasons on Amazon Prime still, which I That's think I will also- end up doing. That's also partially why I ended up leaving HBO Max because it they deleted yeah. no, so as, much stuff. As money. someone who is in the animation industry, like it sucks what they did to like 
there were so many shows that were like 80 percent done they were just like well don't know how you're gonna make rent this month but uh you're out of a job see you later fucking kiddos or, you know, anyway. or legendary yeah yeah anyway <laughs> I was going to say, I said, like, you know, I just kind of jokingly jumped on the, you know, Glass Onion and Arcade. Great. Awesome. <laughs> well, I'm going to pimp our most recent episode of, um, or our, mo- our most recent book club book, which I absolutely loved. It was the first book that I finished in 2023. Uh, and, like, Kayla, I'm hoping to keep up with some of my New Year's resolutions, which is... Uh, be, being really helpful in an app I'm using called Storygraph. It is a wonderful, like, alternative to Goodreads. You can, like, go and track books. There's a really good community. They have a January reading challenge where if you log even just one page or one minute of an audiobook every day in January, you're entered into, like, this awesome drawing for free stuff and they do fun things oh, all the time. Cool. That's what we use. I- and I used it to track uh, the first book that I finished in 2023, which is Daughter of the moon goddess uh i highly recommend that we finished it for our book club for the month of january um and speaking of that where where we have a patreon and all this other stuff we're part of the deus ex media podcast network so if you haven't already please go check us out and for just a measly one dollar a month you can get awesome to our awesome discord server the entire community of other podcasts with the restricted yeah, section of the eldest gods content and capable yeah. it's great and and we do a monthly book club. So get in on that. And uh, yeah, where can we find they find us on social media, babe? This is We Are My Cabbages. We are at CabbageCast on Twitter. We are at My CabbageCast on Instagram because I probably got at CabbageCast on Instagram and then forgot and lost the password or something. And oh, it's no. no longer there anymore. So at My CabbageCast is us on Instagram. And we are also uh, mycabbagecast at gmail.com on Gmail if you want to email us. If you email us, we will read it on the show because we don't get a lot of fan mail and whenever <laughs> we do we like stop the presses like look when we have a cabbage look. dispatch to stay, say to the masses yeah, yeah we yeah. love spreading the love and if not we understand people's time valuable just go ahead and give us a little and alongside avatar podcast hour give us a nice little five stars wherever you find podcasts you leave a comment even better to get us to the top of that algorithm and let's the continue to grow don't worry i messed it up too it's okay it's in the bloopers <laughs> Uh, uh, I have been Zach. Uh, oh, and I'm Alex. <laughs> and uh, this is Kayla and Andre, and uh, my brother uh, uh, Jake, who does all the music for our show. You all love and know uh, the cool music that we have on this show. Just released a new EP with his new band Shift Meal, and uh, for today's outro music, I am going to play a song from 86 serotonin which is the name of their ep called bright side enjoy bye everybody goodbye bye yeah all my friends are still getting stoned in their mother's basements and i'm supposed to think that we're actually going places yeah some of them got out and are probably studying business or science and i'm sure that they're happy right now and I don't wanna die of bored I just don't wanna die complacent She's addicted to her phone And her TV takes her places That neither of us will ever get to go If things don't change And that's when you said, yeah you said Look on the bright side
Wave X Media.